Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Pilot's Advisor recording here on the beautiful coast shoreline of Lake Lanier and by by demand of a few of my listeners that wanted to find out what happened to Walter. We have Walter Storholt, owner of uh, Third Wheel Media with us today. Good morning, Walter. <laughs> Good morning. Back and better than ever today. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I talked to a few of my listeners and they, they wanted to hear that, you know, professional radio voice again. We just had to bust it out, bring it back for old time's sake on today's show. See, I can turn it up a couple notches whenever we need to. Yeah, you got you to you bring it today because there's a <laughs> high expectations. Well, I'm looking forward to what we've got to talk about on today's show, Ryan. Uh, we're talking about the house. I always like talking about housing and having uh, recently purchased a home just a year and a half, two years ago. It's always interesting to talk about what to do with your house when you get to retirement and all those kinds of things. Well, of course, and there's nothing I would rather do than talk about financial issues at 7:30 in the morning because I just wake <laughs> up and you know that's just what I think about. Like, oh, we got to get into this. A peek behind the curtain of when we record the show <laughs> typically is uh, bright and early. Now, did Lee make you get up that early on the shows that you guys did together? You know, he's a, he's an early riser, so most of the time I would get up with Lee. Uh, you know, we'd probably do like eight o'clock or something like okay, that. So we're all but three I, in the I same think, boat. <laughs> yeah, but I think he I think he gets up at like five. 5 a.m. every morning. Oh, he's he's one of those. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of those for sure. That's too funny. Uh, I, I can do 5.30. I'll often have good days where I'm up at 5.30 and rocking and rolling pretty early in the day. I get a lot done before the rest of the world starts to wake up. I know that's one of the keys to success that a lot of uh, people talk about. But those who get up with the four on the clock in that first number, those are the ones that I don't understand. Yeah, to be honest with you, if I'm off schedule from flying, like I will literally wake up at 4 a.m. and it, that'll happen for a few days when I first get home until I get back on a normal schedule. And it, it's tough because the rest of your family's not up and you don't want to wake them up. So you're kind of limited on what you can actually do from a noise perspective. And then before, you know, coronavirus, I used to go to the gym, but now Planet Fitness doesn't open until 6 a.m. So that ruins that too. Yeah, I noticed a lot of places have the limited hours even even still today. In fact, over the weekend, I went to Home Depot. And I was I was going to be that early riser and start the project really early. And I showed up at the Home Depot at like six fifty in the morning and ready to grab all my supplies and you know get started for the day. And uh, nobody's in the parking lot, and they don't open apparently until eight. <laughs> so I was wow. like, all right, well, what other chores and projects can I do, or errands can I run at places that are open early on the weekend? And I found yeah, a well, way to occupy my time. You can always go to the grocery store. You can typically find a twenty-four hour place uh, grocery yeah. store nearby. <laughs> yep. Well, and the thing I'm just tired of being lied to because I still they're still saying it's for our safety, and it's obvious that all these companies are doing it as a cost saving measure now. And I wish they would just say that, you know, limited hours because of X, Y, Z. The airlines are the same way right now. Like that, you know, you're in first class and they'll give you like a, a water and that's it. 
and you know it's for your safety no it's you guys are trying to cut costs however you can just be honest with me right yeah exactly you can say times are tough we've got to limit hours and how much we're open and yeah i think the airlines are probably wanting to save a little bit of uh a little bit of coin on you know the, the drinks in first class and those kinds of things those add up globally you know well you remember uh el nino yeah this is the new El Nino. Oh, coronavirus. Oh, you know, coronavirus, everything. Coronavirus. <laughs> you just blame, blame, blame everything on it, you're saying. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll dabble in the, the house thing today. And then also I, I have a future episode coming up where I have a, a mortgage specialist, Kelly Phillips, who has been in the mortgage business for over 20 years. And so some of the issues that we talk about today, we're, at, we're at actually going to dig into on a, a future episode. So this will be good. Very cool. And uh, yeah, get kind of the, the mortgage perspective in a little bit more detail, which I think will be great. And I think this is probably something, Ryan, you're getting a lot of questions about all the time, how it relates to, to our house or our houses in many people's cases as well. Whether it's downsizing to investing in rental properties to interest rates, like you mentioned, the mortgage expert coming on soon. So I want to explore some of these different retirement questions that we get as it relates to housing. And maybe the most popular one that comes up, I would imagine, Ryan, in the planning process is this decision of do we pay off the house as soon as possible uh, or do we enjoy the low interest rate, pay it off slowly over time? Where do you stand on that debate in terms of people trying to like get, get debt-free, including the house, as fast as possible versus holding on to it because their rate might be 2.75% or something like that? Well, like any good financial advisor, I'm going to say it depends. But as a big picture perspective with what's going on right now, interest rates are so low that when you pay off a mortgage, you're locking in that number. So if it's 2.75% and I look at it and go, can you not take your money somewhere else and do better than 2.75%? And the answer should be an emphatically yes, that there's a better place to put your money. You know, and I'm all about having a war chest somewhere where you can press the button and pay off your mortgage whenever you want. But building that snowball is half the battle here. Whereas if you have a big snowball that's working for you and that money is earning interest for you, whereas if you pay off a mortgage or you pay it towards your mortgage, it's kind of a dead asset. I mean, unless your house is appreciating, that money is just sits there and it's a dead asset. So I look at that APR and we have historical, historically low interest rates. What do you think, Walter? I think uh, emotions come into play on a lot of it too. Like, do you, are you just more comfortable not having a house on the ledger? Because I know that that, I would kind of fall just personally more to that side. I know that the math may make more sense that I can, you know, invest, you know, uh, money into the market and maybe outpace that percentage that I'm paying on the home. But I just feel more comfortable with less debt. So I always overpay on my mortgage, even though our rate is really low. It's why we refinanced down to a 15 year, just so we can get rid of it even faster um, than when we were on the 30 year plan. So I kind of like the forced savings of it too. Although I do worry about having that much equity tied up in the home um, rather than, you know, building up the coffers in the bank account, that would feel pretty good too. So yeah, there's just sort of this emotional component of trying to battle between, you know, where you're wanting to uh, essentially have cash stowed away and, um, you know, how you feel about the emotional side of having all that debt kind of lingering over your head. I just feel like it makes the math equation really easy if you can get that house paid off in terms of your living expenses that are really easy to just figure out and to have a, a good concept of. Well, and I think you bring up a very, it, or not a, not interesting, but a very valid point. And I have this conversation with many of my clients too, is the emotions of things. Like ha- the whole investing thing, the emotion of things is a, is a huge factor. 
from a simple math perspective, it makes more sense to use your money elsewhere if you can beat the 2.75. But waking up in the morning and, and, or, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, worried about paying off your house, you know, if that's going to keep you up at night, then you need to do it. We always talk about like having, if, if you can handle it, having the ability to press a button and pay it off for sure. But no, I, I hear what you're saying about just the emotional side of it. Have you ever wanted to learn more about the academic approach to investing and saving and planning for retirement that Ryan talks about here on The Pilot's Advisor? Well, if so, go visit pilotsadvisor.com, pilotsadvisor.com. You can watch a quick webinar on the academic approach to investing. It'll show you how not to speculate and gamble with your money. It's all based on Nobel Prize winning research. Only takes about 10 minutes to get through the video and watch it. Gonna be worth your time, I promise you. Go check it out right now, pilotsadvisor.com. It's a webinar that covers that academic approach to investing, pilotsadvisor.com. All right, back to the show. Another good debate to have. Uh, there's sort of this assumed idea, I think, Ryan, that uh, when you get into retirement, you know, you, the natural thing to do is to downsize. Is it wise to downsize to a smaller home at retirement? Is that really a trend that you see often? Well, I think it really depends on the family and what they're dealing with. A lot of the times, you know, it ends up where the kids leave the home and, you know, they might have a 4,000 square foot home and all these extra bedrooms. And at some point, a retired couple says, hey, I don't feel like taking care of this big of a house, you know, and if you can sell a house and downsize and maybe lower your mortgage payment, you know, which will change your monthly uh, cash flow and that's what you want to do and maybe not have to take care of a yard. It makes sense. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, my parents are going to probably follow in line with this. They're going to probably sell their home here in the next year or two when they go to retire. And, and they're thinking of doing the split retirement thing where they spend half the year in one location and half the year in another and probably have an established home in one spot. And then in the other spot, maybe a smaller condo just so that maintenance is low and, you know, kind of easy to keep up with and that sort of thing. So kind, kind of interesting. I feel like people really, when they get to retirement, especially today, are able to kind of craft and customize how they want that whole conversation around the home to play out and develop during those years. Well, and for to be able to split where you live, you know, say six months out of the year is if you have that ability, it's because you, you planned well financially, probably, you know, throughout most of your life to have that ability. Cause of course, you know, that increases costs, but uh, we, you know, that's where I'd want all my clients to be in that position where they have that option if that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think another you, angle. Oh, go ahead, Ron. Oh, no, you, you brought up the point of a 15 year versus a 30 year. And I just wanted yeah. to backtrack to that. I think it's hilarious because, you know, a lot of people will do a 15 year and it might give you, you know, a little bit of a lower, lower rate. But what it does is it locks you into that bigger payment, right? It does. That was one of the so, big things we wrestled with for sure. Yeah. And you, you can do a 30 year mortgage and still make that 15 year, you know, payment. And then you have the flexibility. So when coronavirus happens and then you lose your job or your hours are cut or whatever, you can still make your mortgage payment. So I always talk to a lot of my clients about go ahead and do the 30 year and you can pay it off whenever you want. You can pay a 15 year, you can pay a 10 year mortgage if you want, you know, to keep hammering that interest rate. But, you know, a 30 year doesn't lock you into 30 years. You can pay it off whenever you want. Yeah, it's a great point. And that was something we debated a lot. We had such a significant reduction in the interest rate that our payment for all intents and purposes, is almost the same going down to the 15-year. And so that's what made us comfortable with pulling, pulling that trigger. It didn't feel like it was going to be that big of a jump. 
to, to, to go that route. And the savings of the extra interest rate uh, we thought was worth it. But yeah, that was something we wrestled with for uh, several weeks kind of uh, leading up to pulling the trigger on it. So that's uh, another good debate. That'll be a really good one, I think, to ask uh, the mortgage expert that comes on the show in a couple of episodes. That'll be fun to hear her responses to that question as well. Uh, let's switch gears in another direction here, Ryan, as we're talking about um, you know this idea of, of the house and retirement and uh, housing in general. Uh, let's not talk about our own homes for a second, but a lot of people obviously will build income and build wealth through rental properties. And some people as a way to diversify, or maybe it's just something that they've done for a while, or maybe they think about getting into it at retirement because they don't have their traditional job. This might give them some purpose and some things to do during retirement, um, is having rental properties. Is that a good idea for creating income in retirement? Well, I think it's a definite, definitely a way to create income. I was very heavy in the real estate market before I became a financial advisor, and I still own quite a few properties. And I think there's some things with real estate, and especially after my you know 20 years of experience with it, that create some issues you know going forward. And you know when I think about diversification, I think about an exit strategy. So it, it'll create you know it can produce that monthly income, but at some point in time, you might want to sell the house. And if you did it the right way, you depreciated it all the way down, you know, and you you probably forget about the air conditioning unit that you had to replace and all these other issues. But there's no there's no way to get out of it without paying a massive capital gains tax. And so that's one of the issues that I'm running into now. So you've got these uh, lots of other complications to say nothing of the fact that you've then got a you know, you got to be a landlord. <laughs> you got to fix things and you got to deal with, with renters and what happens if they don't pay. And there's all these other risks that kind of enter into the equation. Well, absolutely. And I just, you know, when I, when I think about it now, I've kind of changed my perspective. I think real estate's great. It's a way to leverage your money. But once you get to a point where you actually are pretty comfortable with your job and everything, I don't know if it's worth it taking on the risk. And there's, it's a lot more work to have a rental property than most people realize. And if you're going to have a, I, I did it my, by myself for 17 years, and now I finally pay a you know company to do it. But you're going to pay eight to ten percent to a company to handle it for you. And all my properties are in Florida, and I can tell you that insurance costs continue to go up. So there's there's a oh, constant, yeah. you know, rent rent has gone up, but there's a constant bite into your profit your profit margin. And and I guess my stance now is. You know, I would rather have my money diversified amongst you know twenty four thousand different companies around the world versus one house that might get hit by a hurricane next year. Well, hey there. We hope you're enjoying listening to the Pilots Advisor today. Just wanted to take a quick moment from the show to remind you that if you have any questions ever about what Ryan talks about on the program, need any assistance with your financial planning, need some guidance to get to and through retirement, or whatever financial questions might be on your mind, don't ever hesitate to reach out. The simple way to get in touch with Ryan is to pick up the phone and call or text 843-475-3038. Again, that's 843-475-3038. You can also find Ryan online at FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. And as always, we put contact information to get in touch with Ryan in the description or the show notes section of the program. So just check it out on whatever app you're using, and it's easy to get in touch with Ryan. All right, now back to the show. 
Uh, let me go into a different direction here, Ryan. What about, um, you know, but still talking about sort of rental properties, a lot of people want to invest in real estate, but they don't want to become a landlord and go through that part of the process. So they look at things like like REITs. Is that another way to kind of get into the, the housing world, but a little bit easier way to do it? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in REITs, a real estate investment trust, I think it's important to have exposure to real estate in your portfolio. But you don't necessarily have to own REITs. And, and the way I would bring this up and talk about this topic is everybody thinks that McDonald's is a burger company. In the grand scheme of things, they're actually a real estate company. Uh, if you think about the properties that McDonald's owns, you know it's, it's prime real estate, right? Mm-hmm. So if you actually have McDonald's in your portfolio, you have exposure to real estate. And it's the same for many, many other big corporations. So I think that you just need to be very strategic on how you want to get exposure to the real estate side of the house in your portfolio and just make sure you understand and know what you're doing. The other factor with real estate, and I love real estate. Once again, I love real estate. But imagine if you own five properties and maybe they weren't like top end. So you know you, you were getting a little bit less rental income and you might have had not, you know, not a three bedroom, two bath house or whatever. But suddenly coronavirus happened and then all five of your renters were unable to pay the rent. And you still have to pay the mortgages on all those properties. So a mistake I've seen is where people are so leveraged and then an event such as this, and I'm not saying, you know, a global pandemic is going to happen, but just maybe have two or three properties that aren't filled for a couple months. And I've watched people get themselves in a lot of trouble by being too leveraged with real estate as well. Well, that's a great point, Ryan. Yeah, uh, another good thing to be thinking about when it comes to the home and your retirement, all those kinds of things. Last but not least, let's, let's dive into one more topic about housing. What complications do you see, if any, um, when it comes to handling real estate and the legacy or estate planning part of the process, passing real estate on. I'm sure you talk about things getting a little bit more complicated when you start involving property and passing things on to the next generation. That can become a big sticking point for a lot of people. Well, I think it's definitely something that is a little bit more complicated. Um, you know, and of course, you know, building these this real estate into your trust that is the best way to pass on real estate. And you know, so this is a conversation I've had with my wife. I go, hey. You know, the best thing that can happen for us to pass on this real estate to our children is for us to die because, you know, then they have a step up in cost basis and life's good. But the problem is, just like my wife says, if anything happens to me, there's so many complicated issues that I deal with with the real estate that she doesn't want to handle it and she doesn't know what's going on. And, and she's like, I don't want my kids to have those that same issue. Oh, like with all those rental properties and that sort of thing. Yeah. So like, like, you know, you, you might feel like you're passing on a great, a great thing to your children, but really what you're giving them is a burden. Yeah. You know, a, so, a couple so, of big projects. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, so it's a, uh, it's a great thing to be able to pass that on as a legacy, but it might be a burden that they, they're not ready to handle and no different than say, if somebody loses their parents, it's like, oh my gosh, now I got to figure out how to sell this house. And, you know, there's a lot of issues that go into that. Well, that's another great point, Ryan. Yeah. So make sure that that's all part of the planning process on the front end. And you talked about an exit strategy of those rental homes, even more important when you start thinking about the wake that that leaves behind or the difficulty that that would leave behind, you know, if you were to pass and, and not leave detailed instructions or a, a map or a plan for how to handle it from there. Well, and I, I just, I guess I'm getting to a different point in my life, as you, as you grow, you kind of change your perspective on things. Like when I was a, a first lieutenant in the military, 20 some years old, me leveraging my life 
and buying all these properties made sense, you know, because I didn't have any money. But as I've gotten older, I've started to realize that, you know, simplifying life is a big thing. And there's, there's a cost to that as well. Just having, making things simple and not having to worry about XYZ rental property and the air conditioner going out or, you know, whatever else. So peace of mind can be achieved by actually simplifying life as well. And, and as I get older, I'm trying to simplify my life a little bit. Well, that's a great point. Well, Ryan, I think this uh, is a good discussion and uh, got us into a lot of good details on today's show. And again, you're going to have uh, a mortgage expert coming up on a future episode where you'll be able to talk about not only these topics, but much more. So I look forward to sort of part two of this conversation. Sounds good, Walter. Well, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon, Ryan, and uh, also you for listening to today's show. Thank you so much, as always. Uh, if you're not talking with your advisor about these kinds of things and you need to get a good financial plan in place, especially as you think about retirement and what to do uh, during those years when you're no longer working and how the home fits into that equation, plus all the other big questions that we talk about on this show, do reach out to Ryan if you have any questions. You can call or text 843-475-3038. That's 843-475-3038. And you can also go online to FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. And we'll put links and contact information for you in the description or the show notes section of today's show so it's easy for you to find. Ryan, thanks for being with us and uh, talk to you soon, my friend. It's always great talking to you, Walter, and all my listeners are going to be appeased now that they got to hear your voice again. <laughs> the, the golden pipes brought back once more. <laughs> this <laughs> Have was a good lot one. of fun. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time right back here on The Pilot's Advisor. You've been listening to The Pilot's Advisor featuring Ryan Fleming, a financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving clients worldwide, but based out of Charleston, South Carolina. If you have any questions for Ryan on what we've talked about on today's show, maybe a future topic idea, or want to talk more about getting a complimentary review of your financial plan, here's the best ways to get in touch. You can go online to the website, FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. You can also email Ryan. It's simply Ryan at FlemingFG.com. Or you can call or text to get in touch. 843-475-3038 is the number. That's 843-475-3038. Thanks for listening to The Pilot's Advisor. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, in many more locations. So whatever app you like to use, search for the Pilots Advisor podcast today and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.